This is the 18th episode of the Skills Factory. Talks and ideas about skills from Europe and beyond. You're listening to the podcast series of the European Training Foundation, the European Union agency working on education in the EU neighboring countries. Today, we're going to talk about needs. N-E-E-T, young people not in employment, nor education and training. So who are these people and why they decide to be out of the education and employment? Is it a challenge for our economies and society to have needs? And is there a secret recipe to help these youngsters find their place in the society? I'm Maria Lvova, and I'd like to introduce our guest for today, Umohan Bardak, an expert from European Training Foundation. Welcome, Umohan. Hello. Thank you, Mari. Thanks for coming and joining this conversation again. So who are the needs? Umohan, for how long this term exists actually in, in the science? Needs is a relatively new concept, which has been on the use uh, maybe for the last two decades, because traditionally we focused always on youth unemployment. But after uh, many discussions, uh, experts largely agree that we need to look at broader groups of young people than those just who lack a job. Therefore, this new term enter into the usage and also increasingly being used as an indicator for understanding the youth well-being. Because unemployment is only one condition, but there are also other vulnerable conditions that youth can be in. The share of needs within the EU was 10% in 2019, with the lowest share in northern countries like Sweden and Denmark and highest share in Italy, Greece and Spain. In Western Balkans and Turkey, between one-fourth and one-fifth of the total youth population was in the need group in 2019. In the Eastern Partnership region, Armenia, Georgia and Azerbaijan show higher rates of needs compared to others, varying from one-third to one-fourth of the youth population in 2019. In the Southeast Mediterranean region, the average rate of needs reached 38% in 2017. So we understand now the scale of the problem. What does it mean for the economy? Having high number of young people in this specific situation means a waste of young resources in the economy of any country because they can be used more efficiently by either training them better, continuing investing in their training or already putting them in jobs that could contribute to the economy. One third of people from 15 to 29 would not be in education, training or employment. It is very high, is it? It is really high. And then as we've heard that in Northern Europe, this indicator is much lower. So of course, I would tend to connect it to the quality of education. No, we know that Nordic countries are really performing well in terms of delivering uh, quality education. Not only quality of education, uh, it certainly helps if you have good quality of education, but also if you have diverse types of offers in education, because it is um, actually what we see in, uh, in these Nordic countries is that most of them have very well developed vocational education systems, which tend to keep the students longer in the education because this is an alternative to the general education, you know, the scientific route, let's say, 
to higher education. This is the first thing. But there are also other factors which facilitate the transition from school to work. And these include uh, support systems on the career guidance, counseling on the job training, work-based learning practices, but also employment services uh, on the job search, also placement of young job seekers to the jobs. So it is a whole system of labor market and education system together, I would say. In the recent ETF study, it was established that the highest risk of becoming a NEET is for the age group of 25-29, and the lowest is for the age group 15-19. to Umuhan, uh, does this mean that the transition from school to work is a very crucial moment for pupils, uh, that after completion, completion of their study, they, they try to look for a job, they don't manage to find one, and they don't go back to the education system, and they don't get a place in the labor market? Yes, actually, the age group 15-19 has increasingly become part of the formal education. As you know, in most countries, the compulsory education ends either at the age of 16 or 18, which means that by definition, most of these age groups are in school. The problem starts when they approach towards the end of their education and in the period when they move from education to employment. Is there a link with the creation of more needs with the idea that a lot of people are getting overqualified for the job that they will apply afterwards? So is there a link between the increase in needs and the overqualification of potential students and candidates for a job? Some people are needs because of their low education and some people are needs despite the fact that they have higher education. And this really depends on many factors uh, at play. For example, we can, I can say straightforwardly that for those who, are, who have a higher education, most of the needs with higher education are women. Actually, it's linked to the gender rather than education per se. Umuhan, what is the split of men women among needs in general? Being a woman is certainly increasing the risk of being a need in every country context. So is it a society that kind of imposes on, on women more to stay at home to take care of kids rather than go and, and continue education on, or, or get an employment? Or is it a personal decision of a woman? Do we have any data about that? Well, of course, um, the social values and traditions imposing women to be at home doesn't help, for sure. There are also personal uh, choices uh, made by some women. That's why we call one subgroup of within the needs, there is one subgroup which we call it voluntary needs. Because at the end of the day, we cannot force every woman to work or every man to work. You know, it's also individual choice. But more importantly, when women have support systems, like, for example, subsidized child care to take care of their children when they are away in the labor market, for example, for jobs, this helps uh, improve the situation tremendously. So if for women, we said the majority of needs are women everywhere, um, and the main reason is this, you know, 
pressure on 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 being at home and and taking care of children what is the main reason for men to become a need well for men the primary reason of being need is unemployment still because they are by definition active they are the breadwinners they have to find a job this is also part of the social norms uh, so we don't need to activate them uh, in general but they cannot find jobs this is number one the maybe the other factors uh, it's rather low education poor health for example disability or sickness is a big issue let me give you one example from one country uh, because there was a research uh, recently made in moldova and they identified basically four types of needs the first type of need is called unskilled need and this constitutes 40% of the total needs what do you mean by unskilled needs umhan they have generally just to describe their socioeconomic situation they have poor parents with low education they generally enter into marriages at an early age they are poor coming from rural uh, households they focus on agricultural work and they tend to leave school very early a maximum at the age of 15 so this is the first group and they are the 40% of the needs so nearly half nearly half yes then there is the second type of need which is called low and medium skilled needs these young people still have parents uh, with low education but sometimes medium educated they tend to be with vocational education or training and they are sometimes uh, they have some work experience but their jobs are always low paid and informal type of jobs temporary jobs so with very high precarity they have occasional earnings and still a mostly rural residents so this uh, this type of second group is uh, around 30% of the needs together they make up 70% as you notice overwhelming majority of them are from poor or low low education and the poor backgrounds yes then there is the third type which we call it highly qualified needs which are around 20% that comes to your your point actually about the higher education mismatch uh, with the higher education graduates this group have parents with medium or high education they are generally unmarried they can be more likely unmarried and but they are urban residents so they live in the cities and they have higher education and moreover they have this income coming from the parents which means that they can afford to refuse jobs that are not at their level and how how many are there yes they are around uh, 20% then the remaining 10% the type 4 we call them voluntary needs or opportunist needs they are with parents with higher education they have a uh, medium or high living standards they are urban they have also income from parents but what is the difference between this group with the previous group is that this group they never want to work even they are conscious that they don't want to work and they can afford to be to not to work while in the previous type 3 group they want to work ideally but they want to 
have jobs that are corresponding to their education, which is different. Umran, so I guess that all the policies that are taken to prevent the increase in needs, they tackle more the 70% of unskilled or low-skilled people rather than the highly qualified ones. Is that correct? Well, this depends on the choice of the governments. Practically speaking, of course, type 1 and 2 get a prioritization when it comes to addressing vulnerabilities because they are precisely the group who need the most support from the public services, while the other groups can take care of themselves relatively better compared to the previous groups. Do we know what will happen with needs on the long run? So the first group and the second group, so the unskilled and low-skilled from agriculture residents and uh, with low education or vocational education, do we know, we know that at the very end of the day they will find a job, do they? Yes, uh, that is true. Things can improve in time, but the research says that actually once you are need there is a higher risk of being socially and economically excluded and more likely to become vulnerable in the long term. This is called scaring effect, actually, because the more time you take out of the labor market or out of education and training opportunities, the more vulnerable you will get in time because the research made over the lifetime of individuals shows that the starting point matters a lot. If you start badly in the beginning and there is no intervention to improve the situation, you continue to be in that bad situation for the rest of your life. Also because from the perspective of an employer, you would rather go for someone who's been working all the time rather than someone that who had gaps in the CV. Is that right? Definitely. Going to the recipe, the magic recipe, is there one to tackle the issue of needs? It is really important to tackle information gaps first, to understand basically who are the needs and what are different groups of uh, people under this group, so that we make all vulnerable groups more visible. This will raise awareness of the public and policymakers about different need groups and their vulnerabilities. That's why I would say the first step is identifying need subgroups. So who are they? The second step would be identifying vulnerabilities of each subgroup, why they are need and what they need, basically. And then according to the findings of this research, we can easily develop policy measures targeting for each group. Do you think needs are one of the priorities of the governments in the EU neighborhood? Yes, I think uh, it is uh, a priority for all the reasons we talked about before. I mean, youth is a very important source of all countries and they need to be well read and uh, accompanied to their transition into the labor market. It's a waste of resources, basically. Umohan, is there an idea of what it takes? How much does it cost to tackle the issue of needs? And how, does it, how much does it cost not to tackle the issue of needs? 
Well, this is uh, a bit difficult to answer because I'm not aware of this, uh, uh, any study of tackling the lack of measures, you know, the cost for doing nothing. But it's obvious that addressing the needs means more or less early intervention or prevention. Because for any policy measure to be developed for the needs, we can divide them three types, basically. One is early intervention through good quality and relevance of education. The second is reintegration or reintegration, which is employability measures to accompany youth in their transition from school to work and sometimes active labor market programs. And then there is the last type of measure, which we can call compensation, which is social assistance and inclusion measures for the most needy, which includes generally financial incentives. Obviously, the prevention is the cheapest because the states have already well-organized services. The, what has to be done is providing them in good quality with high attention to the young people. Prevention is not only cheaper, but also most effective because the younger the age of intervention, the better the result. We know this from all education-related studies, including preschool education. You might have heard that those children between the age of three to six, if they receive preschool education, it has a direct impact of their learning success for the rest of their life. It is the same for every younger age compared to the next uh, year of age, basically. So cost is lower and efficiency is much higher if you intervene early. Omohan, can you provide us an example of a country from the EU neighborhood that did efficiently implemented these prevention measures? Well, among the different uh, practices, what I see the most effective, in my opinion, is um, the school tracking systems to reduce school dropouts before it happens. So they make a monitoring system for students and understand early enough if there is a risk for that student to leave the school early. So this is one. The second is modernizing the secondary education, both for academic and vocational tracks. Another one is integrating young women into the labor force, which requires really some other measures, such as providing subsidized childcare. This is really very much important when you offer any training or job opportunities, you need to couple also these other services which take care of family care or child care, because this is uh, something that we have to address. Otherwise, women simply cannot afford to leave the house. So can we say that the cornerstone of the problem is education? So if the education provision will be of a quality and it, if it will track the students that are likely to become dropouts, it will reduce massively the problem. Yes, I would say so. But uh, I would couple it with the next step, which is uh, providing support services for the graduates to enter to the labor market. We cannot leave them alone once they are graduated from school. We need to develop support measures to accompany their transition. And for doing that, there are many measures such as, for example, work-based learning, apprenticeship schemes, or any other active 
labor market measures like active job search, have to prepare a CV, have to be active in the labor market, preparing young people for the work life requires some extra effort because they never worked before. And the first entry to labor market is always the most problematic and most difficult one. Umuhan, when do you think this should start, this help with developing a first CV, this developing of idea of how the labor market works? When this advice should be given to the pupils at what age? I would say from the very beginning, I think the key is secondary education. And do we have a data on how many needs become entrepreneurs? So is entrepreneurship considered as a way out from the situation when you're not employed nor, nor in education? Sure, it can be one of the ways. It doesn't have to be one or another. Depending on individual cases and interests of the young people, there are many policies in in place. I mean, one is to find a job, help them to search for a job. But if there are no jobs which does correspond to their what they want, basically, the alternative is really to put them in an entrepreneurship uh, program. Why not? If they are willing to try. From your expert point of view, what is going to happen now with the needs with people not in employment, nor education and training as a consequence of the economic crisis induced by global pandemia and as a consequence of the war happening in Ukraine? What is your forecast? Are we going to see more needs in the upcoming future? Well, this is difficult to make any, let's say, foresight. Uh, Of course, the, the future doesn't seem very bright. I mean, that's, I think everyone has this feeling of uh, things are not going well kind of feeling. But at the same time, I think we shouldn't give up our hope because still, if a group of people in any government care enough and develop measures, even without requiring too much of high budget, it can make a big difference. I believe that it's really a matter of political will than anything else to address and tackle these problems. Moreover, we shouldn't forget that by discussing needs, we automatically eliminate those young people who are working currently in informal, precarious jobs. You know, this is one of the criticisms of needs, actually, that we don't look at them because they are working, so they are okay. But they are not okay because they are not working in good jobs. And maybe as a result of this crisis, there will be even more young people working, but in less good jobs. Because in most cases, Uh, especially for young people to work, they work more likely because they cannot afford to be unemployed. It's a matter of survival, a matter of bringing food on the table on a daily basis. If this is the case, they cannot say that I don't accept this job, whether you are university graduate or primary school graduate, it doesn't matter. So this means that they have to take any job available. And this can be actually increasing in the coming years. Well, then suddenly we may have less numbers of needs, but more, still more vulnerable people. So this is also something we have to be careful with the statistics. 
Indeed, I think the the upcoming young generation will have it more difficult than the previous ones. And uh, I like a lot that you said that it's not only about needs, it's about youth in general. Uh, Youth employment should be put high up in the agenda of the policymakers. And as we've discussed today, needs is such a complex thing. It consists of several groups. People are, are deciding not to go on education or employment because of so many different reasons and that measures to tackle all of those are so different, be it equality, ensuring the quality of education or ensuring that there is a proper system of helping out working women with kids. I would like to thank you for this conversation, Umuhan. It was super interesting. Today we had Umuhan Bardak from the European Training Foundation. Thanks a lot, Umuhan. Thank you, Maria. It was a pleasure for me. It was a pleasure to have you with us again. And follow Skills Factory on all the platforms and stay tuned because there is much more to come. Thank you and goodbye.